The topic of today's episode is the field of sexual healing. Sexual healing, or sensual touch as it's sometimes called, is about helping people to recover from sexual trauma or emotional trauma that is blocking someone's ability to open into intimacy and an easeful expression of sexuality with with their partners. Um, now, this is something I've wanted to break down for some time. Uh, it's definitely a taboo subject. Um, but, you know, I've noticed for some time that there are most of these practitioners are women um, and they might go by the name of tantricas or dakinis in the alternative healing community but I've noticed that not all of these practitioners are in complete integrity with their work and there are some rub and tug type situations out there where women get paid a lot of money to basically just bring a man to orgasm and there isn't really a deeper involvement with the client that actually creates real healing emotional or, or intimate healing so I wanted to bring in my friend Jasmine who is the real McCoy she has 20 years healing experience and she does this work she calls it uh, let's see, she calls it Sensual Embodied Awakening. And she does one-on-one -on -one sessions, mostly with men, but also some women and couples. And we got to talk about a lot of interesting things around sexuality and intimacy. Uh, we talked about the challenges of opening up in an open relationship. And I asked her about her clientele and what are some of the issues that they commonly have. Um... So we discussed what is it that makes women pull away in a relationship, both intimately and sexually, and what can men do to get her to open up again? Uh, also, what can women do to help their men open up into the greater levels of intimacy and emotional vulnerability that they want to experience with them? Also, how can women feel safe in themselves to walk in a radiant way in a world or a culture that's often very sexually aggressive. Uh, it was a very interesting conversation. So with that, please welcome Jasmine. I've been looking forward to doing this podcast for many weeks now, and I'm excited to introduce my friend Jasmine, who works in a unique field of the healing arts. So welcome, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to mm -hmm. do this podcast with you. Mm -hmm. So let's start by having you tell us a little bit about the healing work that you do. Uh, sure. Um, I do 
work in what I call sensual embodied awakening. Um, I do one-on-one sessions mostly with men, some with women, um, have also worked with couples, um, and I, within these sessions that I share with people, I'm doing a lot of life coaching, um, giving really nourishing sensual healing touch, um, giving people a really clear and present grounded connection that they can trust and have a very intimate vulnerable experience with um it works a lot with sensual and sexual energy in a very grounded empowered healthy way Mm. um i end up doing a lot of relationship coaching intimacy coaching um So there's a lot that ties into it. <laughs> sure. Um, I was really excited to have you onto the podcast because this is somewhat of a taboo field. Very. Yeah. <laughs> um, pull this, uh, pull the mic up a little closer to you. There you go. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people doing sensual massage or sensual touch. Um, and but you do it in a different way i haven't experienced your work personally but just speaking with you about it um there i've known you for years and you you have a way of like getting deeper beyond the surface with people and you know i guess maybe for people who aren't familiar with the field at all or the taboos of it at all we can talk a little bit about that um do you have anything that you want to say about it being more because i'm not i'm not as deeply acquainted with the field really yeah well i mean within the field there's definitely a really wide range of what's offered Mm -hmm. um you know and it's just a full spectrum from like just your bare bones session that can happen in 15 minutes up until uh, you know, much more, uh, involved, um, nourishing, uh, experiences that can happen in two to three hours. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess like some, some of the practitioners out there are, in my view, not necessarily creating a healing space for their client because uh, this is people get paid a lot to do this to give sensual massage and a lot of times it's focused on sexual massage and bringing bringing a man to orgasm and that's kind of the point of it for some practitioners in the field and um and that yeah there's not necessarily a lot of deeper healing that's actually occurring in those sessions um and there's plenty of that out there and i feel like it gives it gives the field of sexual healing a bad a bad name um you know and there yeah there are people that there are women that you know, call themselves dakinis or tantricas that are basically just doing that, right? But 
there's so much potential for healing. I feel like sexuality is one of the areas for men and women of this culture in which we have the most healing to do, um, be it from cultural conditioning and shame from religion or um, the sexualization of our bodies through marketing and advertising. I feel like we have a lot as a people to, to work through to kind of come into um, our nature as sexual beings and even to discover what that is, um, to discover the, the pleasure of sensuality apart from shame, you know, and, and yeah, we are, you know, we're, we're sexual beings We're you know, we have that animal primal nature and just how to even discover how to like get past that wounding to, to discover that side of ourselves. And I feel like that you have a presence to you that can, maybe take the ordinary person who's never experienced something like that before and bring them into that space. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we're taught also that we're only supposed to experience our sensuality and our sexuality in a very specific context and that experiencing it out of that context is um also taboo right it's um it's taboo to receive these types of experiences from a provider um rather than the normal context which is a monogamous relationship or even these days more and more the idea of open relationship is a little bit more common but um still the the context socially, um, you know, really encourages us to only share within a relationship. And the, there's a real benefit, actually, to seeing a provider that is not involved uh, in, in a relationship with the client. Um, and who has a professional skill set as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so my I have a training in uh, the holistic healing arts. I have 17 years of uh, study, training, practice in um, Chinese herbal medicine, shamanic healing techniques, working with uh, crystals and stones uh, for their healing properties, uh, visualization, meditation, um, nutrition, lifestyle coaching, you know, creative arts. Uh, it, it, there's quite a long list that I've been working with for almost 20 years. And so I bring a lot of that energy into my sessions. Um, and therefore I've also, aside from this specific type of healing work, I've also been doing these other forms of healing work, um, with people for a long time. So I've just been well primed, um, in sharing really intimate, vulnerable space with people. Um, so, you know, the, the people that seek me out are seeking me out because I have these skill sets and training, because I've been practicing with myself for so long, cultivating myself, um, through many of these other holistic healing arts and spirituality 
clients seek me out because they're wanting an authentic connection. They're mm. wanting more than just the physical pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, they're wanting someone that they can connect with and talk to, someone they can feel supported by, someone they can feel seen by. Um, so there's definitely many women out there that are offering work in similar ways that I am. And um, we tend to all kind of keep to ourselves and maybe form little groups here and there. Um, there's many, many different styles uh, that people are working with. Um, and yeah, I do feel like I offer something unique, not only in the specific work I offer, but in the quality of myself and the quality of the kind of space I keep. Um, Yeah, it's pretty special. (laughs) So I wonder if you could help us kind of just get get an idea for what a session with you might be like. Like Mm -hmm. how how does a client even come across you? um, And then once you meet with that client, like, you know, give us kind of a a picture of the setting that the work takes place in or um, how does the interaction proceed, things like that. Well, clients find me through the internet and they'll call and book a session. Um, They'll come in for the session. Uh, We sit down for a few minutes for a meet and greet. Um, I ask everybody, what has you reaching out for this work today? What are you wanting or needing today um, just to get a sense of where people are at and give people a chance to really check in with themselves and uh, affirm to themselves why they're here to see me. Um, Depending on how long the session is, if it's a longer session, um, maybe I'll lay down with them and just talk with them and, you know, lay next to them and just pet them and (laughs) snuggle them and um you know just kind of ask them about their life and um kind of help them unpack some of the challenges that they're working with people typically come in with some life stresses that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why they find some kind of comfort in coming to see someone like me is that there's not many other people they can talk to about these stresses that are going on in their lives especially the men the men don't tend to have very much emotional support in their life even from the people closest to them mm-hmm. um men tend to like to f- keep things more personal and private um with their personal details so um it's uh so for longer sessions um there will be this kind of just intro time for us to warm up to each other and for them to get to feel me out a bit. Um, After the intro, they'll go into the bathroom, undress, take a shower, get fresh. Um, They'll leave all of their belongings in the bathroom. When they come out, they meet me on the table. Uh, We're both massage table, Mm -hmm, massage Mm -hmm. table. We're both nude. Um, 
I have an opening that I like to do for every session uh, to just ground them and center them. And it just, in a sense, helps them also feel assured that I'm present and in control and that they can let go and surrender into me and trust me. Um, And then we'll sit up on the table facing each other. Um, I'll lead through some simple meditation exercises um, just to get them grounded and centered present and from there I will lead some what I call sensual play exercises between us where um, it includes light touch and eye gazing and hugging and um experience that is really sensual and sweet in nature yet not sexual at all Mm -hmm. um so that's the intro to the whole session and then from there it'll go into body work so i'll give them a really beautiful nourishing sensual massage experience um it's full body um and uh at the very end of the session uh, i have a closing i do which is that i wrap them up in the sheet in the you know that they're uh, laying on um the table I'll, I'll take it and wrap them in it and i'll put a covering over their eyes and i'll step away for a few moments um this gives them a chance to just really enjoy all the good feelings in their body and um get to just be with themselves and um then i come out and i unwrap them they go take another shower they get dressed and then we meet at the door and we say goodbye mm-hmm. so it's 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 more it's more of a sensual experience like getting into the sensual body than a sexual experience Yes, and it's also definitely working with the sexual energy. Um, Mm -hmm. The end of the massage aspect of the session um, is a genital massage. Uh, So most oftentimes uh, I'm working with a man, an erection does happen, an orgasm does happen, Um, sometimes not. Um, It's really not necessarily trying to make that happen Mm -hmm. Uh, it's more about using sexual energy and sensuality to get a person grounded into their body give them a safe space to open up and feel these very powerful precious sacred energies within them in a safe container uh, and experience them in a way that's very different and how people are normally experiencing them uh, within their romantic relationships, mm-hmm. which tend to be very goal-focused on the orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really widens the perspective for these people on just what more is possible mm-hmm. and not only in um, how to experience themselves, but in how they can be experiencing in their relationships. Mm-hmm. I imagine that that type of experience is probably maybe the first type of experience of like getting deeper into the sensual body for a lot of men. I know that 
in heterosexual relationships, at least, um, men tend to be more of the sexual instigators and kind of like leading the sexual experience. Um, and I don't know if you, if I could call sensuality, like more of like a f having more of a feminine aspect to it, but it definitely involves like getting into the sensitivity of the body and more of like an allowing of emotional flow. And, and there's a lot of good feelings that come from a deep sensual experience that I imagine many men haven't experienced like coupled with the sexual experience as well. Would you say that's true? I would. Yeah. Um, I think that mainly the reason for that is that our culture is just tends to be very much more focused on the sexual energy. It tends to almost completely, uh, ignore uh, not acknowledge the sensual aspects of intimacy um you know because at, at like the beginning of a relationship it's like it, it can be really like hot and heavy and mm -hmm. um you know and so people tend to connect in that way for a while um and kind of just dive right in which i mean there's nothing wrong with that that's great um and at the same time what tends to happen is that um, if the sensuality aspect is not ever acknowledged, then what happens is time goes by and over time, the sexual connection will weaken, um, because it's not being supported by that more sensual aspect. And typically people don't necessarily even know how to create it experiences together that are sensual in nature without being sexual um so oftentimes there has to be this kind of relearning that the couple does together where they in a sense um kind of go back to the basics uh as if they could like reconnect all over again mm -hmm. without you know <laughs> without uh <laughs> without that you know, that hot and heavy, you know, natural draw to just want to jump into lovemaking right away that tends to happen with couples. Right, right. Um, yeah, this is making me think of some experiences I've had in my own life um, around sexuality, around intimacy. At one point I realized that, well, I think culturally um, we push men we we value like the kind of aspect of masculine sexual conquest and men and boys are really encouraged to you know go out and sow their wild oats and you know sleep with as many women as possible or you know just to be sexual and i think that a lot of men there you know sexuality is certainly a way to connect um and I think all of us, men, women, everyone, want connection in our lives. Um, but culturally, I certainly, certainly think that men are encouraged to find that kind of intimate connection through sexuality. But I think it's important to distinguish between intimacy and sexuality, which is something that I don't think 
most people do. Like, for example, if, um, you know, if uh, you say, oh, how did it go with, uh, uh, you know, the girl the other night? Oh, uh, things got intimate. That we kind of tend to think that you're meaning that things got sexual, right? But I find that there's there's an aspect of intimacy which doesn't have anything to do with sexuality. You can have an intimate conversation that isn't even on a sexual topic that feels nourishing because you're you're connecting beyond the surface layer. You're actually sharing real things with each other about you, about your lives, listening deeply. Um, um, and um, yeah, just having a deeper level of sharing that I think all of us crave. And um, there is an aspect of sensuality and intimacy that I think is important to be uncoupled with, with sexuality. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, intimacy can't be present without vulnerability. Um, and vulnerability takes a really high amount of courage, uh, to be vulnerable, to share openly and expose oneself, um, or even for someone to be vulnerable to themselves and just be open to themselves and allowing for them to be who they are, um, let alone in context of relationship to another person. Um, it takes a lot of trust too, mm-hmm. you know, it takes courage to open up and be vulnerable, but also, tr- you know, to trust that that person is going to hear you and receive you mm-hmm. in an open way and not judge you, you know, which happens. I mean, a lot of people are really judgmental, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's special when two, even just friends, you know, when friends can have an intimate connection, when two people can, can find that where, um, you actually have space for each other's authentic self, um, without judgment. Yeah. It's a special thing. Mm -hmm. So in your experience as a practitioner, I mean, um, do you work with men of like all kinds of different backgrounds and um, I guess like levels of emotional openness? Have you worked with men who, you know, have never really like where like their connection with you is the most intimate experience that they've had? Yeah, I've worked with just such a full range. Um, I've worked with men ages 19 to 86. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Single men, married men, um, you know, men who come more from the mainstream, other men who come from a more alternative path, um, just such a wide variety. Uh, most of the men that I work with are coupled in some way. Um, And so with everybody that I work with, I'm a, in healing work that I do in general, I'm a bit of a chameleon. I Mm -hmm. can morph to 
fit the needs and personalities of anybody that I'm working with. Um, so depending on who they are, where they're at, what they're ready for, um, I'll brew up a special <laughs> experience for them that they can really receive. Um, for me, I don't ascribe to like, you know, a one size fits all kind of experience. Um, it's really important to me that if I'm going to share something like this or in any kind of healing experience with people, um, it's really important to me that um, the content of what's being shared is able to be uh, accessible and it's able to sink in. The person can actually really connect to it and relate to it. Mm -hmm. um, so between that very wide range of people that I've worked with um, yeah there's been many different many different uh, flavors <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know that's a unique that's a unique sense that um, some very good healers have I think it's probably a sense that you might develop over the course of 20 years to uh, really be able to feel what is it that this person needs that you're just meeting, you know, just getting to know maybe a couple minutes in and you're just starting to work with their energy or their body to be able to really have kind of like an emptiness of mind in a way to be able to tailor an experience to somebody. It's kind of a rare, it's a rare special quality. It's like a, a special kind of Jedi sense. I <laughs> feel the same way, and I I am uh, I love the experience of that within me, uh, that gauge that guides me. I really enjoy that experience because it strengthens me in some way, and uh, it's also just such an honor to be able to know how to adapt to different people um, and give them something that they're really going to benefit from. Mm -hmm. Each person is kind of like a, a unique puzzle or a Rubik's cube that has like a particular way to help, help them unlock themselves mm -hmm. into, you know, a deeper a deeper state of authenticity or recognition of their own selves even. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if you could talk about helping helping men get in touch with their sensual side and especially their emotions. And um you know, like have you ha I imagine that men have had like perhaps cathartic emotional experience of, you know, starting to drill past the layers of armor that men so often keep around themselves. And, you know, have you had men cry or just like laugh or have kind of like cathartic emotional release during a session? I have. Yeah. yeah. I've had men, um, gosh, like this one man, he was 35 and it's at the very end of the session and he comes out after his uh, second shower and he was he was obese he was very large and uh, 
I'm 36, so we're same age range, and um, he comes out, and he's just got this sad look on his face, and he starts crying, and and I'm noticing, and I'm like, okay, hey, come sit over here with me, let's sit down, what's going on for you, and he tells me that was his first time ever even being naked in front of a woman, wow. let alone being touched, and it's like, wow, and then you know other experiences where this man starts crying because he's just not ever felt so comfortable in himself before he had body image issues and he was a beautiful man Mm. you know and it was also just enlightening that I just you know typically that's an issue that women have it's not really associated to something that men really struggle with um but he just felt so cared for and comfortable in his in that experience with me and the degree that he was able to just like let go and relax and um it was very moving for him and i mean i've just had so many of these experiences we're not necessarily they're not necessarily all to that degree of um crying exactly more so the experiences that uh, throughout the session I tend to be uh, pretty nosy I ask a lot of questions and I think that's for the ones that I can tell want that to a degree Um, there's other people that I can tell they don't even want to engage at all and they just want to have an inward journey so that's different but um, the ones who will engage I will um, basically just have a dialogue with them where I'm just asking them questions to help them get to the deeper roots of the stresses that they're carrying and typically these stresses are specifically in regards to their romantic relationships mm-hmm. so um, you know so then we'll go into these topics that again you know most men don't really talk about with other people um, so it's just I you know I get to create these experiences for them to go into sensitive topics in a safe way um, and within the process get to kind of know themselves a little bit more mm-hmm. um, and what are some of the common challenges that you know come up in your sessions in regards to relationship things that men are struggling with you know, either to communicate to their partners or receive from their partners. Yeah, I mean, communication is the root of all of it. Um, At some point, there's a disconnect in communication. Typically, it's because people don't feel safe to be vulnerable. Um, So right there will be the start of the um, breakdown of the physical connection because it'll start typically with the woman where if the communication and the vulnerability breaks down, then there's a lack of intimacy. And once these things start happening, she more and more will start to feel her physical body close and she'll start to lose interest 
Um, and so there, t there oftentimes is a dynamic in relationships, especially longer term relationships where um, the physical connection in the partnership is not active sometimes for many years i've had clients in marriages uh sexless marriages of you know 10 to 14 years or more mm -hmm. um uh so these are some common problems and i think that the other common problems tend to also be in couples that are new in their journey and starting a new family um, and just all the complications and the changes that it brings mm -hmm. to to have a baby and just all the different changes that that brings up for both the man and the woman and and their role as a couple together yeah um and so do you have some repeat clients where you are working with them on a, a regular or semi-regular basis that are facing these challenges either marriage challenges or new family challenges um and you're uh, you're playing a support role in their life have you been able to you know help men open up into a greater sense of uh, intimacy with their own selves that then contributes actually to improving their relationships? I believe so. And that's my hope. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't that's know what's happening on. Yeah. I don't know what's happening in their personal lives. I only know what they tell me. Sure. Um, so uh, I do have repeat clients and, um, Yeah, I do see progression in the way that the work I do helps them personally and helps them in their relationships. Yet at the same time, I think sometimes change happens slowly. Sure. Um, you're, uh, you know, your one to two hour sessions are, you know, you're pushing against a a wall of a lifetime of experience and deep patterns. And right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you chip no, away. I mean, nonetheless, like, you know, a, another way that it supports that this work I do supports couples is that I get to be a, not only a supportive listening ear for the man, but I also get to be a voice for the woman to give a woman's opinion, to give a little bit of insight on, you know, what she must be going through. Mm. And that's always very helpful for them, I think, to help reconnect them back to their sense of patience in their process with their woman mm -hmm. um, and give them some tools of ways to show up in the relationship that can be more supportive to the communication and the intimacy on all levels and typically with men that are having intimacy troubles with their partners I advise them to kind of 
kind of back off from uh, trying to connect sexually and focus more on connecting sensually, um, even specifically with clothes on. Um, because for a woman, uh, you know, that sexual energy within a man and a woman typically runs very dif differently. And um, for most women, foreplay begins outside the bedroom. It begins with all the little ways that he can be helpful um, to her, you know, helpful tasks um, so that she can clear her plate a little bit and, you know, just have more energy for herself and, and to share with him. Um, other, other things are, uh, you know, just kind of just general ways of being and interacting, communicating, um, touching that are both like touches that are present and nourishing, sensual, but not sexual at all. Um, uh, I, I, I like the, uh, metaphor of intimacy being like a flower and, um, where sexual energy is the center of the flower. Uh, but the center is surrounded by all these petals that, um, really need to be acknowledged and enjoyed and, and, uh, interacted with, um, otherwise if always, the attention is on the center of the flower, um, the flower eventually will, in a sense, close up um, mm -hmm. for a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, um, because there's these other layers of intimacy that are essential for a woman because these other layers communicate trust and presence, um, desire to really connect and share they communicate a desire from the man uh, to give to the woman in ways that don't necessarily put her in a role to reciprocate. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, men approach sexuality from this place of, well, I'll do this so she does that. And there's nothing wrong with that, except when that's the only context where the sexual energy is being experienced. Over time, women will feel depleted and disrespected. And a woman who is connected to a sense of self-respect over time will have to close herself down to that type of interaction because ultimately she's not being taken care of and she's not being considered. Mm -hmm. um, typically by that point, that's far into the relationship and again, going back around to the communication and vulnerability aspect, a lot of women don't have the skill of how to communicate at that point mm -hmm. um really what's going on for them and what their needs are what their desires are 
So it's easier for them to just shut down and pull away and even give some kind of answer like, oh, I'm just not interested and I just don't have sexual energy. Um, I've heard that a lot from my clients and I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's really the case. I think a lot of these women are needing to retain a certain sense of self-respect and in order to do that they can't continue on in these kind of sexual experiences with their partners where they're not being taken care of and considered Uh, meanwhile the men in these situations on one hand want more than anything to know what it is they can give to the woman to help her to open up again but they they don't understand that at that point, it's again, going back to the flower metaphor, at that point, it's definitely needed to lay off the center of the flower and just focus on the petals for a while, (laughs) you know, in order for the woman's well, in a sense, to be filled up again so that she has energy to give, um, so that she's, so that she feels like her sexual experiences aren't always about just her giving in this way and not receiving something back. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I've i noticed too that um, a lot of times when women start shutting down, I think you're totally on point that they're shutting down for those reasons that, um, you know, out of like self-respect but also self-preservation at a certain level, you know, there becomes an increasing level of desperation of needing to take care of oneself, right? But I think that often happens subconsciously because some women feel confused about that, you know, or guilty or, or shameful even. And, and, you know, like she doesn't want to pull away from him. She wants to connect with him. She might, you know, might be her husband that she loves, the father of her children, but like physically there's, a response happening or you know at a deeper emotional level maybe that she's not even cognizant of um but nonetheless uh you know can't be overridden um so yeah there's there's a lot going on on both sides and there certainly is i think a lot of misunderstandings between men and women um and a lot of blame being thrown across, <laughs> across the canyon as well. Um, but I guess what I, I want to ask you, because you are in the position of supporting men through the work that you do, uh, which I think is super valuable and so much needed because, you know, men get a lot of flack um, for being insensitive. And I think, I think that it's deserved to a degree, but also I I think there's a lot of really good men with really good intentions that just don't have necessarily the understanding or skill set of how to connect. Like you said, you know, a lot of men just want to know what to give to their partner so that she'll open up again or so that to, you know, how can I facilitate this connection? And a lot of men just don't know. Um, so I guess in your experience as a facilitator, um, what what can you offer 
Well, there's two angles, I guess. Like what, what can you offer men about how to connect with women? I guess you just offered a lot about that, but how did you figure out how to communicate to men? So like from the woman's side, how did you figure out how to help these men understand what, what they can do or what the missing parts, you know, because men and women, you know, clearly communicate differently. And I think, um, also women typically don't necessarily understand how to communicate to men. Or I know I've had this experience. I know a lot of men have had an experience of being confused about what she wants. It's like not clear to us. So, um, through your experience as a facilitator, you know, what unique ways do you approach men that enable you to have these breakthroughs that maybe women out there listening could also utilize? This is a big topic. (laughs) It's a big, um, yeah, it's a big question. First of all, for women listening, I just, first of all, I want to be a voice for the men and just let the women know how deeply men desire to give to their woman to make their woman happy they just generally desire so much probably the most out of anything in the world (laughs) they want their woman to be happy and they want her to be happy because he's making her happy in every way they want um they want to feel like their woman feels like their man is taking care of them in every way, especially sexually. Um, they desire so much to give in the ways that the women want. Um, it's really beautiful to see that desire across the board. And yes, there's a lot of confusion um, because in our history at some point um, these kind of roles of masculine feminine got switched and mixed up between us and um, the role of the feminine is uh, rising and strengthening once again and part of that role is reclaiming our voice and using our words to describe what we want how we want it what we need um, and the way that men work they really do just need a straight answer mm-hmm. just exactly what it is and this how is it is what and I need. <laughs> exactly straight just, just right on <laughs> yes <laughs> point to it maybe demo it for them and whatever just make it extremely clear men aren't mind readers and they're not as necessarily intuitive and empathic as women tend to be within their relationships like women just kind of have this a little bit I think of a more natural sense to read body language and to understand and me who knows maybe that's because we're biologically meant to be mothers and we have to like understand the needs of our children before they know how to use words and so there's a lot of body language involved and a lot of um, just listening to tones and sounds um, along with the obvious words that are being spoken so um, there's this other piece of it though where you know oftentimes women 
will have an experience of, well, I am being clear. I am being direct and he's still not doing it. So then I will say to the men, men, listen and (laughs) slow down. Sometimes even just pause and take it in for a moment. You know, ask questions if you're not clear. Oh, you mean like this? Does that feel good? Or is it more like this? Like get into the details and get really clear what she's asking if you're not clear. Not only that, bring a high degree of humility and understand that you are not like the master of all female genitalia (laughs) around the planet and you don't understand just because something works with one woman one woman doesn't mean it's going to work with another you really do have to start all over again and learn how everybody's different anatomy wants to be touched and um you know and bring a sense both men and women bring a sense of curiosity and play bring make it fun you know you don't you don't have to go into it trying to be this like trying to you know be this perfect lover and like know it all already it's it's more fun when you can just be playful about it and just explore each other and and um communicate about it lovingly with patience and um there is there does tend to be i've experienced in myself uh in relations i've had i've also heard from other women that there does tend to be still this uh, some quality of resistance that men have even when they're shown told even there's there's this resistance to learning there's this resistance and i think the i think the humility piece is a big part of it men want to feel like um well i'll i'll back up and say and from what i've seen men really um They, a lot of their personal identity, especially in the bedroom, is uh, based off of past experience of feeling like they're a really good lover and they know how to do it. And they'll just bring that sense of like know-it-all to every new connection they have. And it's um, detrimental because it closes them off from learning about a new partner. And... Um, so a, de- a degree of yeah humility and curiosity um willingness to learn um is really important for men if they're gonna grow they really need to listen mm-hmm. to the women um so it's it's really both sides both sides sure. the men and the women have their part in how this needs to um develop more and refine so that people can be experiencing happier relationships because mm-hmm. what happens is um on one side or typically it's both there's a communication breakdown happening and once that happens um, and once the vulnerability ceases once uh, that level of intimacy intimacy starts shutting down typically the women will start shutting down physically first 
and then the men will start shutting down because they're going to feel rejected um and once it gets to that level it's not impossible to repair by any means but it's you're working with a lot more difficult pieces at that point than had it been addressed earlier on sure sure yeah i i agree with all of that and i think that there's there's a particular piece also about how to communicate with men i think yes direct communication is important but um also a lot of men are really sensitive to criticism and i think that while we are open to you know we want to provide a better experience for our lovers and with our lovers but i think like for example there's a big difference between you're not doing it right and this is how i like it to be done you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and I think some of, maybe this is just for me, but I think for a lot of men too, some of the resistance is is when I'm being spoken to in the, you're not doing it right. And, you know, I am dissatisfied with Mm -hmm. you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's entirely different to have her say, I really see and appreciate that you are trying to you know provide to me but i would much prefer it to be this way Mm -hmm. you know and i think in particular appreciation and for a man to be acknowledged and appreciated for his effort even if it is precisely the wrong effort but just to acknowledge the intention i think goes a long way Mm. for men Mm-hmm. in terms of how to you know how to how to get a man to open up emotionally um and criticism will will drive often drive a man the exact opposite way it's true i, I mean i've also noticed how um when i when i speak with women on this topic and when they share with me their approach in directing it it does tend to come off in that kind of critical way and um uh yeah it's if that's if that's happening it's going to make him feel shut down and um it's going to make him feel you know kind of like timid to try again you know because he doesn't want to like you know Mm -hmm. do another thing that's going to dissatisfy her and um so there is an aspect of that communication from women where we you know it really needs to be loving and sweet it it needs to be clear and direct yet still like warm and inviting like yeah you know like let's keep this going let's yeah, yeah yeah nourishing like let's keep this going and i would like it I like it to be more in this way. Um, maybe let me show you. I mean, I'm a woman, and even when I work with women in the sensual work I do, I have to stop and ask women how they want to be touched because I'll oftentimes I'll touch them in ways that I like to touch myself. And I'm shown even that even working with women, there's... Um, I've and had you're speaking ex- specifically about sexual touch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've had experience where, you know, I've needed to stop and, um, you know, I can tell that it's what I'm doing is not necessarily quite getting her in the way that maybe it got 
you know, this other women really, mm-hmm. um, to a high degree of pleasure. Um, and you know, I'll just have to stop and slow down and just ask her to demo on herself. You know, what does she do to pleasure herself? And I mean, I've been amazed at some of the ways that women have touched themselves that I've never thought to touch myself. We're going to need some details. (laughs) (laughs) For a later podcast, but for now, for this, uh, for right now, I guess I'm I'm just, I'm curious, (laughs) you know, in, in the, the variety of different types of touch that women like, you know, just, just a general, like, I mean, some, some women, like, I guess I can speak from my own experience. Some women like a really kind of like gent gentle, but firm, like smooth touch. Some women like, um, like, uh, more of a pressure and like, um, faster touch. Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, in the context I was just speaking to, it's even like in the direction of strokes, like, whereas, um, you know, like, or, or how much a woman wants her clitoris to be touched. Like some women are so sensitive that they almost don't even, they just, they're fine being touched around it, but they don't want to be touched directly on it. Mm-hmm. Um, where other women really like that to be the focal point of the stimulation. Um, you know, some women really like these other women that are would like less attention on the clitoris might want more attention like around the labia um, or like the opening into the vagina. It's 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 there's just, you know, the female anatomy, the female genital anatomy has kind of a lot going on down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I think I think there's just really a lot to be said for couples to have a show and tell. I mean, even in the massage work that I do with men, I'm amazed at all the different ways, um, you know, that men like to be touched. And in from one session to another, I just simply ask men, you know, do you mm. like it more up around the head like this? Do you like it more and just like focus on the shaft? Do you like the whole thing? Do you like, you know, <laughs> like uh, I, I ask a number of questions because I, I know that there's so many different preferences. I've also seen through my sessions. Um, I have so rarely been asked those questions by my lovers, you uh, know? Yeah. I mean, I will tell them, but you know, yeah, it's kind of nice to be asked. What do you like? You yeah. Know? Can you show me what you like so that I can do that for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it goes both ways, right? This um, idea where this one size fits all thing where like this in a past experience with someone, this one thing that we learned worked really well for them. We're likely to, you know, take that uh, technique (laughs) and bring it to our, our next relationship. And sometimes we'll find that that technique doesn't quite work for that person, that new person in the same way it worked for that other person. So again, that's why I think, especially at the onset of a new, uh, relationship, it's so beneficial to have, you know, this kind of playful, sexy show and tell of like, you know, do self pleasuring in front of each other, take turns, like actually really showing each other. I mean, I've also seen 
many men masturbate in front of me uh, within my sessions and oh my god all the different ways that the men touch themselves <laughs> I just had no idea before doing this work <laughs> um, so yeah it's like the communication the, the the direct communication the listening the type of communication the openness to receive it and work with it and and again um just bringing like a sense of curiosity a sense of play bring a sense of innocence people i think more often try to be like this don juan like they just <laughs> know it all and they want to come in and be like the most amazing lover with like these awesome techniques or whatever. And honestly, I think that for a woman anyways, what part of what makes a man a really amazing lover is the patience and the time that he's going to spend getting to really know her. So taking it slow, really mm. stopping, getting clear if there's like a point of unclarity and, uh, and along with it all, I would say um, while a couple is in the process of getting to know each other's bodies, um, take the take the goal focused tendency out of the sexual interaction, you know, in that process. Like, yeah, orgasm is amazing and we all love orgasm, but um you know, maybe just kind of like putting it not, not necessarily like totally letting go of it, but just putting it, um, putting it second to, you know, the exploration process. And, um, cause eventually you're going to, the couple will learn each other's bodies and the orgasm will, you know, likely be, um, in the mix regularly, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's not also the goal, you know, like, especially, um, talk about go, going back to like the layers of sensuality, the layers of the petal. It's like, um, it's, it's kind of bringing that back in and focusing on just these other aspects of intimacy, um, rather than just focusing on like this one pointed center. Mm-hmm yeah have it be part of the circle rather than the center of the circle mm, or the center mm -hmm. of focus yeah mm -hmm. um i wanted to ask you about empowerment i feel like empowerment is a big theme in our in our world in our culture right now and um i think it's very confusing for a lot of people to it's confusing to even know who we are like, um, what does it mean to be a man aside from the cultural conditioning that we're taught? Like, you know, aside from, okay, if, if you strip away the machismo, if you stick away, strip away the kind of stoic emotionality and really get deeper into the nature, this is my process, getting to the deeper into the nature of who I am as a man. And we all are emotional creatures, men and women. I think we tend to think of emotionality as a feminine trait, but I think it's a human trait. I think that for me, when I really dig down, it's like, yeah, I have emotions. I have deep emotions. Um, it's not necessarily like socially acceptable to feel emotional as a man or especially express it or like cry, you know, these kind of things. 
Um, but I want to ask you about feminine empowerment and, um, I'm just kind of, uh, an observer of culture and I'm, I'm always curious about it. I feel like we've been in the age of feminine empowerment and the rising of the feminine for several decades now. Um, certainly since the sixties and seventies and it's, it's morphed and evolved a lot. It's constantly changing. Um, I feel like I see a general trend of emulating cultural empowerment, which is mostly masculine, the masculine style of empowerment, um, kind of the aggressive businessman and the assertive individual. Um, I think of, I think of Hillary Clinton as the perfect example. Uh, looking at First Lady Hillary Clinton in the 90s, as she was much more feminine, she was actually like a much softer person. But then stepping into a man's world and a, a male-dominated field of American politics, you see her start to take on kind of a more of a masculine style of empowerment. Uh, an emulation of the masculine energy. And um, I've, I'm interested in politics and I kind of like loosely follow it here and there, but there are a lot of tales of people close to Hillary Clinton who talk about her, her deep emotionality, but that she like really hides it from the public because she didn't want the public to have a perception of her as the emotional woman that, that like that they thought that uh, like her and her team thought it would make the public trust her less to be, you know, they wanted her to kind of have this stoic sort of more masculine emotionality to her, which I don't think totally worked. I don't, you know, but anyway, that's, that's an aside. Um, I wanted to ask you about feminine empowerment and, um, I feel like we're all kind of discovering who we are beyond, beyond who society says that we should be. And I liked your analogy of the flower earlier. And I, I often think of women as a flower that, uh, the flower wants to open and share its, share with the world you know that is how the flower procreates that's how plants procreate and that really women have a radiant offering you know deep in their nature the feminine radiance um but in order to feel in order to open women have to feel safe and um what would you what can you say about how a woman can feel safe in herself and secure in herself in a culture that still is aggressive and particularly has aggressive sexual energy, aggressive masculine energy. And, you know, how can, because I see you walk this way and, and there are a few women that do walk this way where they fully share their radiance with the world. They don't hide themselves in order to protect from unwanted energy um, how did you find your way to that way of being? Well, mm. tell, tell us a little bit about your process of that. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that's a tricky one that women work with. 
because um, there's a delicate balance of how to move through the world in a way that is open and connected yet with boundaries um, it's it's a delicate equation and I think women we start getting in a sense our training of that by the time we're about seven or eight years old um, and I don't I mean I know in my own journey I didn't really start consciously working with that until my late teens early 20s um, I remember you know feeling conflicted within myself of of feeling just this real innocence this purity of wanting to just be open and connect with people yet at the same time you know having uh having a response from men in the world that's uh an inappropriateness around sense of entitlement mm -hmm. in and and how that affects their behavior um an entitlement to you and mm -hmm. an entitlement to entitlement your to touch radiance me and, and entitlement to yeah entitlement to like to to enter your space enter and, my space in some way that's not appropriate impose themselves upon you yeah exactly so as a woman there it's kind of a, it's a bit of like an internal ninja skill sure totally <laughs> to master it seems tough like i don't envy it you know <laughs> i'm like whoa that is a hard nut to crack i feel um at the same time it's such a like a It's such a high level skill that when done well will open a woman to the world in really powerful ways. Um, so as far as my own process and how I've uh, come to where I'm at, um, I think first of all, first and foremost for men and women across the board, no matter what, our own sense of empowerment, sense of peace, um, happiness fulfillment starts from within so I'm a person who spends a lot of time with myself cultivating myself refining developing dedicated devoted to my self-development um, and I do that in a lot of ways my whole lifestyle is basically built up around it and um from there, I can create a really strong inner foundation, a really strong inner sense of self. I personally don't work a lot with hard, defined identities and labels because I'm changing so much all the time and I want to give myself that freedom to change as I need to. But at least along the way, from moment to moment, um, I have a good sense of myself and that coupled with a feeling of comfort in my ability to communicate my needs to men in the world who aren't respecting my space. Um, typically these will be in social experiences like some kind of dance party experience. Um, 
uh, where, you know, again, going back to the how, you know, men need more clear, direct communication. They're not like women who read all these subtle layers. So oftentimes in the world, you know, if I come across a man who's just not getting the other signs, he's not getting the body language, um, you know, I feel really confident and comfortable being able to communicate my needs that I need him to back off. And I do it in, in a way fashion. that's very, I have varying degrees, you know, it will always come out in a kind gentle way where I'm helping him to see that he's being inappropriate with me. Mm -hmm. um, most often they respond to that very well immediately. Um, and they'll respond with like a, some, in some kind of way that's like a, Oh, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know? Um, and, uh, and most often they also appreciate the communication hey, thanks for telling me that. You know, I, I get that a lot. Um, you know, and then there's other men who at that point still don't understand. So the communication will have to get more firm. Mm -hmm. So I'll still be kind, but I'll be direct again in a way that's you know, less, less fluffy, more like you know, more serious, sure. you know, and so it, there's varying degrees and sometimes it does get to the point where it's just like me having to request that somebody get out of my physical space and because they can't, they're not able to manage their own physical space in a way to be around me mm -hmm. that feels appropriate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, there's varying degrees of how it happens, but in my own journey, you know, and, and it, it is a journey, but really again, as a woman, it's, there's, uh, a major theme as far as like on the topic of empowerment, there is a major theme for women, uh, opening up in their voice learning how to use their voice mm -hmm. to tell men what they want and don't want. I mean, and it plays out not only in the bedroom, it plays out, um, you know, in our jobs, um, in with people in positions of authority, especially, um, it, definitely with family, um, you know, maybe even just in various ways moving through the world, it plays out in a lot of ways, but, I mean, what I like to imagine, if, 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 if we can just like imagine for a second, like um, what it's like to be around uh, a woman, take one woman, if you can just imagine one woman who's just in her full radiance and her joy and she's just happy and fulfilled and at peace and just walking down that street with the radiance, you know, and she catches everybody's eye. Everybody turns and notices her. Why? Because she is a force of nature mm -hmm. moving through the world. And that's just one woman and how she can affect every single stranger that passes her in that moment, you know? And I like to imagine, wow, a whole world of women in that state of just joy and that sense of peace and grounded nourishing fulfillment and and happiness and man that talk about a force of nature that is that is a high level of um 
beauty that I think would just be, wow, if, I mean, if that could just be experienced right now in this moment by every woman in the world, it just would change the whole reality of this world, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But once again... There's no room for nonsense in that. (laughs) (laughs) In that picture, you know. Like, Mm -hmm. you still could have the same consciousness of men that we have today but if you have that kind of feminine empowerment it will change the world it will shift everything because the women what women don't understand is that we set the tone for the men to follow the men look to us to let them know how we want to be treated we tell them how we want to be loved And the way that we do that, first and foremost, is by how we love ourselves, how we treat ourselves. Um, Next is they're going to look at examples of how we're treating and loving other people around us. Um, We set the tone. We create the container. They will step up to support the, the tone, you know, the energy that we put out. Um, but if we're not clear, if we're not confident, it leaves them guessing and having to fill in the blanks. But they're filling in the blanks from their own kind of skewed understanding and conditioning of what it is women want. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Again, as women, it's just it's it's so key to really strengthen the voice, and I think there's ways to uh, there's ways to do it that are really empowering, like um, you know, joining things like Toastmasters uh, w- or having some kinds what of. What is Toastmasters? Toastmasters is a, I believe, it's an international. Uh, uh, Is it a women's group? It's or? not just women. It's it's uh, men and women. It's a um, it's something people sign up for to practice public speaking. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yes, so I've heard of it. Yeah, it's an organization that I I know is around this country in the United States, but I believe it's also international, where um, people get opportunities to practice public speaking. Hmm. And so, whether it's something like that, or whether it's um, singing, you know, like. Uh, singing in circles of women singing in circles of you know men or mixed genders um just uh, or or even praying you know praying out loud on a regular basis every single day using the voice to speak directly to spirit to reflect or um share to call in, using the voice as much as possible, activating it, exercising it, because it's with the power of our voice that's uh, that's the first and foremost thing that we're using to communicate to people, that people are, I mean, obviously there's other aspects of communication, body language, um, you know, the, the eyes and tone and all this stuff, um, but the voice is the most clear, powerful, direct way. And um, so I just, I really want to encourage women out there to do your self work, 
take care of yourself, set up a lifestyle of self-care as much as possible, um, even five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Just give it five minutes a day and it'll take a, it'll, it'll, it'll add to the progression so, so much. And um, within that, uh, really find ways that are creative and fun to exercise the voice. There's there's an interesting perspective going around that I don't necessarily agree with that uh, in society men have all the power and um, that women aren't afforded the same opportunity to speak their voice, especially in the business world that like there's a greater there's a greater risk of reprisal or repercussion or negative consequence for a woman that speaks up uh that you know like if a woman speaks up it's um i don't know it's uh somehow negative critical but if a man speaks up it's assertive you know that there's like a different frame for men and women and i can see that to a degree and also i feel like you know, I wouldn't want that to be an excuse to say, stay silent. But I think that there is that a lot of women do have a real fear of speaking up. It's not just, oh, like they're timid in their voice, but they, they want to say something, but they're afraid that in some cases, even that um, there might be violence as a result of their words. Like if they're, if they're in a relationship with a man who's like borderline abusive that there's a kind of tiptoeing around you know uh in a romantic relationship or you know like to tell your boss your male boss that you don't want him to flirt with you anymore or that his the way that he's communicating with you or treating you in the business space is unprofessional and unwanted that there's a fear that there might be you know uh repercussion that will affect her job her her finances her opportunity for advancement and that's you know that's certainly tricky to navigate um and i wouldn't know how to go about that i don't know if you have anything to offer of just like how to you know because there's a there's a kind of way i think that you set your frame in the world, you kind of hold yourself in a way that demands respect, even though you're not like demanding it verbally, but you hold yourself with a certain confidence and some other women that I've seen just there's, and I think it does stem from the inner work and the knowingness of self, but there's kind of like a lioness that some women have where even the male lion who's bigger and stronger is like, I'm not going to fuck with her. Like she, (laughs) she's got claws. She knows how to use them. (laughs) Right. And there's, there's a way of holding that a woman can kind of like maintain her frame and, and, you know, hold her body even with confidence and, and speak her voice with confidence that she can still communicate in that loving fashion, but, um, she commands respect. You know, honestly, this, uh, the sensual embodied awakening work I do is really, uh, given me a lot of practice in, um, in communicating with men. I'm, 
And again, it's, it's really shown me that, that men desire to be communicated to clearly by women. Men want to know what we want and need. They want to know how they can be showing up and approaching us in ways that feel good to us. Um, so in my own experience, I just feel extremely confident at this point that as I move through the world, if I need to, uh, you know, if I need to make it known that someone's being inappropriate, I will surely easily do so and give and I'll do it in a way that gives a man a chance to learn something um, oftentimes women in the world the defense mechanism in these situations is just to be really mean mm -hmm. to basically just you know give him some kind of massive diss to hopefully make him just walk away in shame right. and make him feel like a giant asshole which To me, I, I approach these situations differently. I think there's something here that he can learn. And, you know, he obviously hasn't learned it because a woman hasn't taught him yet. Um, you know, this stems into just also how mothers tend to raise their sons um, and various aspects of just cultural conditioning. But um, for me... If a man, if I feel like a man is in some way being inappropriate with me, um, I'm going to take it that I'm at a higher skill level with this matter than he is. So therefore I have more, I have a responsibility in the moment to help him learn something. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take that opportunity. That's why I like to have kind of these varying degrees of how I respond. You know, I want to be kind and clear and gentle um, to help him see where he needs to be more aware so he can be more appropriate so that I actually want him like in my space so that I feel okay with him in my space. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, luckily I feel like at this day and age, this topic, as far as like more broadly, like, um, you know, like within the, within the workplace and, um, you know, within like education systems. I mean, there's, there's definitely still an imbalance, but it's nowhere near what it used to be as far as, uh, you know, women being like at the, like having this like really massive unfairness and how they're treated and opportunities and, you know, if they speak up against it. And I mean, obviously like this stuff is still going on, but we have to also, I think, acknowledge that it's not to the degree that it was say even just like 20 or 30 years ago, there's totally. been a great progression from that. So, um, you know, we still have a ways to go, but there is, you know, we are making our way there. Um, you know, and as far as like women and relationships that could be possibly abusive in some way and being scared and feeling threatened, you know, why are these women in these relationships? I mean, there's a, there's a lot like we have to really take a good look at 
our own responsibility for, you know, who we're putting, uh, who, who we're bringing close to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, we have to really take a look at what relationships, you know, like how they're, how they're supporting and loving us. And, um, if in any way we're feeling, you know, threatened or, um, any kind of inappropriate behavior or not respected. I mean, you know, either we need to upgrade our own sense of self-worth to understand that we deserve better. Um, and, and we also need to upgrade our relationships. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a major topic. And again, like kind of tying it all back around to the sensuality aspect. Um, one of the reasons why I feel so um, honored to be doing this work is because I really do see how the way people communicate in the bedroom, the way people are in the bedroom, that specific behavior, that dynamic will bleed out into every aspect of their life. It will determine how they walk down the street, how they interact with you know, the people at the store, uh, how they go about, um, you know, getting things in their lives and creating relationships in their lives and interacting with other people in general. And, you know, um, you know, our, it's, it's, it's very, very much <laughs> all tied together. I mean, people, people aren't necessarily like take an example of like, you know, someone who, moves through the world very confidently, clear, present, um, open and receptive with clear, solid boundaries. They're not going to, you know, behind closed doors in the bedroom be necessarily, you know, like timid and, you know, unsure and unconfident. No, that person's going to also have the same qualities in the bedroom that they have just moving through the world, you know, and vice versa. Like if a person in if a couple in the bedroom, like they're not clear and confident with each other, um, you know, it's, they're going to move out and they're going to be the people that are also not clear and confident as they're moving through the world. They're going to be pushed over and, you know, people are going to take advantage of them. People are going to, um, you know, it's, they're going to have just a difficult time in general, you know, a more difficult time than someone who's say just more developed in that way. So it's, it really is interesting, the topic of how, uh, dynamic in the bedroom feeds out into every aspect of our life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think too, like going back to feminine radiance and, you know, that picture of that, that radiant woman like walking down the street it's very it's nice thing to see but as a man it's very sexually attractive to Mm -hmm. see a woman in her radiance you know and and in her power in that way for me at least um and it does kind of convey you can see like oh like she's an open flower you Mm know um yeah, there's certainly there certainly is a lot that can come across just from w- watching somebody walk down the street if you're paying attention. And I think a lot of us pick up on that, maybe not super consciously, but there's a lot of like, you know, body language things that we see about each mm-hmm. other. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Jasmine. I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I think 
we've given people a lot to think about, I hope. I hope people enjoyed it. And um, do you have any... Um, do you have any like outreach or like if people do you have a, an email address that um, you might want to give out that people can get yeah in touch with you? yeah sure I'll give out my email it's uh, three words touch uh, of and then the planet Venus touch of Venus. And then the number's 22, the number 22, at gmail.com. So that's a good contact uh, for people to use if they want to reach out. I, I do coaching sessions and, you know, of all various kinds. And um, sometimes that even just includes over the phone with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if, if anybody wanted to reach out and inquire more, I'd be happy to connect. Cool. Jasmine touch of Venus 22 at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Not the Jasmine part. That's your name. <laughs> That's my name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Okay. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I, you know, in whatever way this is helpful, um, it's an honor to share. And um, yeah, I just really believe in the good of all people. And uh, I think this whole journey of like the balance of the masculine and feminine, it's just such a, a wild beautiful journey we're all on together i'm Mm -hmm. grateful to be helpful in any way i can Mm -hmm. well you're a gem of a woman and i'm i'm proud of you as a friend and i'm i'm glad that you're doing this work because it's very much needed i think that you know you're probably doing untold amounts of good Mm -hmm. in people's lives and i'm grateful for that thanks thanks so much for saying so thank you for listening Next week, we are going to Hong Kong. I was there in March and got to sit down with new friend Natalie Goni and talk to her about her experience of living there for the last five years. She's originally from England and has that cute English accent that they do. And she originally came there as part of the financial services industry, but has since quit her job and is now a private coach and a business coach and we just talked about what it's like to live in an Asian city a completely different culture but also a completely different way of doing things and my experience in Hong Kong personally totally shaped my idea of what a city could be and it reshaped this idea that cities are chaotic and dirty and busy and I saw it in a new light of with the efficiency that Hong Kong is run with. So tune in for that. And the week following, we'll be going to Thailand, where I talked to a man with no name. He goes by Nanashi, which is Japanese for no name. And he's a mysterious fellow, an American, who's been living in Thailand for the last 15 years. He's an ethnobotanist, and he grows psychedelic plants and exports them all over the world. So he has ayahuasca vines, he has chacruna plants, he has peyote and San Pedro, and lots of other things that people have never heard of. Uh, So definitely an interesting fellow. We talked about DMT-containing plants and yeah, all all kinds of things. So that's what's coming up next. Uh, As always, you can find me on social media. Find me on Twitter 
at Finch Can Fly, Facebook, Chronicles of a Psychonaut, and on Instagram, at Chronicles of a Psychonaut. I've been posting more pictures of my trip of Asia. I'm almost through Taiwan, and by the time next week's episode comes out, I'll likely be on to posting my pictures of Hong Kong. So come check me out there. Thanks, guys.